Everyone's going to have a good time. Oh, we prom- no. We promise. And you will not be able to sleep for a week. So, yes, this is what I get do out of the way. Start get- of every episode, I, I feel the need to interrupt. The mind does wander um, as you ponder things. And Okay, Boomer. It was a fucking perfect segue. Um, I had very That's, good. Is that a segment, Mick? You're either with us or you're fucking, you're over in some other space. Or you're a collaborator. If it's not profitable, pay the minimum wage, what do we do? Nationalise it. Nationalise it. <laughs> <laughs> a few people having problems with expense claims in South Australia at the moment. That's been quite funny to watch. <laughs> Free kick play on. Breakfast burritos. Fucking breakfast burrito. Are we doing it as an outro? What's that? What's Late what's? Stage game. Oh, Neil. What's, I don't know about. Oh I don't know about God. breakfast burritos. Well, you should know about it. So at, <laughs> by the end of tonight, you may not be able to sleep because oh, you no. will have experienced breakfast burrito. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. There will be no. Will I have a sore pip in the morning? <laughs> what do you reckon, Clarky? Does breakfast burrito lead to sore pip? I don't even want to fuck with that. <laughs> oh no! What's happening here? I'll get Joey's dance on. Oh no! Oh no! Baby shark! Oh, baby shark! Well, we had a lull there for a couple of years. That's the thing. This is even oh. more turbo than breakfast oh. uh, than baby shark. And Joey, it, you know. Joey's on it's it. It's an awesome demonstration in social engineering. Oh, you reckon there's a bit of like slot machine sound? Old fucking tinfoil over here. Calm down, mate. <laughs> just saying. Just you know, saying. Queuing on. Just saying. Can you turn? Can just you fucking t- relax, eh? Yeah, dude, yeah. yeah. Clarky, relax. Can you turn my headphones up a bit there, darling? Which one is Michael? <laughs> Two or four? Fucking right four, 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 four. That's not me. That's not me. Hello. Yes. Good. That's it. Done. Better? Fixed. Better. God, you're a good man. I know. I know. Yes. What's going on? I'm just waiting for a mate. <laughs> you got them all you, right You ready, now? Neil? I fucking know. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, I can let's do it. it. Yeah. That, that was for you, mate. I'm just... <laughs> I, I... Oh, okay. It's going to be like that, is it? <laughs> well, if there's, we may as well start the episode off with something prophetic and say something like "yum yum," breakfast burrito. How good was it? Oh, oh, oh. That was terrible. Was I mean, great. a breakfast burrito is a good thing, but to make a song like that about, what about breakfast tacos? burrito, it just ru- oh, I don't it's know. right. What if, what if it was raining tacos? Oh, that could be quite painful after a while. <laughs> All will be revealed at the end of the year. Everyone's going to have a good time. Oh, we prom- no. We promise. And you will not be able to sleep for a week. What was wake that? up in a cold sweat. <laughs> was it raining meatballs? What was the kids' movie? That was Cloudy a with a Chance of Meatballs. Yeah, it's good. Yep. Good. I'll watch it. It's still about... It's on about a one-per-week rotation. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's why we bought wireless headphones at home. Because, like, Barbie goes to somewhere for the hundredth time. It's just getting a bit old. <laughs> what about um, Charlie the Unicorn? Sean the non-believer. Sean. Does that get a run? That that could be used on insiders so often. Oh, <laughs> fuck, actually. Wow. Yes. Oh, yes, Neil. Insiders. There's um a Twitter a Twitter person or entity that I follow called um I think it's called Dumb Blonde. Oh yeah, she's great. She's yeah, fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, and um. She said, who's not watching Insiders this morning or some shit? Yeah. And let me know what you're doing. So I put, I'm going out in the backyard to pick up my dog shit. <laughs> Which was actually true. It's yeah, actually right. actually what I was doing. <laughs> Instead of watching Insiders. So you didn't bother, bother with it? But you're making no. a really no. dry 
a really dry linkage to insiders by right. picking up dog shit in your backyard. Good. Yeah, it's like same same. It's yeah, a, yeah, okay. as good. It's as same cool. amount of enjoyment. Probably actually better. Same amount of well, it is. Oh, some satisfaction. Yeah, actually, true. you're completing it's your like, task. Oh, thank fuck, that's all done, and it's not around the clothesline anymore. And, yeah, you know. No, Nikki. Uh, t- today she, wasn't too bad. Nikki Sava got her angry pants on. She saved. She's it. getting a bit angry yeah. lately, isn't she? Yeah, it's a, a few shots across the bow at Scomo, but there you go. That's an, enough said about that thing. It's the beauty of getting. I think the it's older fine. you get, I think is you just the the filter of not giving a fuck seems to just the threshold. I found that at 40 for me was my sort of point where it's just like I'm stopped caring about a lot of things. It's <laughs> it a real really thing, cool. right? <laughs> positive. It was a positive experience. But I think by the time you get to like, she's what, pretty much retirement age, would she be? 60s? Well, without taking it. <laughs> oh, I know fuck, it's a dangerous mate, place, but. She'd be 60. You know, as you get to the into. Would she? Oh, I don't know. Would she? She'd be oh. 60 at least. I reckon she'd be 60. Oh, fucking. Predator drone circling the shit. <laughs> Funny. She's, Lee, she's old money. Don't Le, fucking, don't be pulling that shit. Lee, no, Lee yeah, Camp no. said on, I think it was redacted tonight recently, that a drone drops a bomb in a foreign country every 12 minutes. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I'd, that's yeah. actually heaps long. It would be like once a, once a minute. One a minute. They're expensive. Each bomb's about 100 grand or something. Even just oh, the, more than that. More, even just the, the shoulder ones are about 100 grand a pop. Like the... Javelin, fucking yeah, the javelin, the yeah. real, the top range surface to air, surface bullshit. to air jobby, yeah. fuck, no, that'd be a real expensive shit. desk pop, wouldn't it, Clarky? Massive, <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing, right? <laughs> what was that show? What's the show? There's a couple of shows I've got to watch now. Um, that was the other guys, the other guys, movie. yeah. Helena put me on to something on Stan, Yellowstone, yeah, quite good. She's okay. been, she's um, picked out a couple of things to show me. It's not humorous, but. Sort of has a nice slow burn to it. Yeah, yeah righto. Cool. Yeah. Some of those. Thank you. Um, yes, I needed something because I was like, "Fuck!" So did out. I actually. So <laughs> it's really good timing. Yellowstone. Yeah. Some of that original content on um, Netflix and Stan seems to be fucking really good from a pure just entertainment. Yeah. Sort of thing. It's almost like the the people that are the creators of the episode of Unshackled, oh, and they yeah. just got free brain to be as creative as they want mm. or not as they want but um a lot more creative than what they are on well they can run a movie mainstream. without having to worry about fitting it in the two-hour threshold of it a cinema be, or something seems pretty good yeah. are we going to kick this episode off we already we, have it has so no we haven't we are we I'm are this, i'm here i'm here We're episode, do you know what episode spot. it is oh, i'd like to say 33 i'm pretty sure it's 33 it is 33 oh thank oh. fuck for that Episode thirty-three. There you we go. Scare me. How can we not fucking count? Well, like, I, it's not I, that double, hard. I double checked today. That's how come on you? I was hoping you guys were going to fuck it up, and I was going to be like, "Nah." Well, we have thirty-three, bruv. Since we haven't got one right since before COVID, so that's <laughs> that's all right. We're going right. So what, yes, what, it is. Oh, what I wanted to do before. What, how are we going to format me? this? Hey. No. Oh no. Stop. I just wanted to I jump was, in. Yes. So yes, this is what I get do out of the way. Start get. of every episode, I, I feel the need to interrupt. Get now I know. Now I know why <laughs> Sally gets the shits on with you. Fair dinkum. You'll be Go in that it. flap in a minute. But anyway, I wanted to touch on the absolute furphy, the idea of hard work. When people say, "God, I work hard," or "Fucking that person's too busy to do something that everyone else is doing because they work so hard," mm. particularly when it revolves around business people. 
when uh, people express surprise about a flash house or a flash car or a flash boat, and then the defence mechanism is, oh, but I worked hard. That's it. No, they didn't. No. You don't, that's not how it works. But what I wanted to bring that to, we've touched on that a million times, but what I wanted to say is there are two fucking genuinely hard workers in this area, and that's Clarky and Neil, and I'm not pissing in your pockets, but you fucking definitely do put in the hours to make this shit happen. So I wanted to say thanks to you. And thanks, Mick. But I'm just waiting for a but. But, no, it's a compliment. Or I can wear a compliment. Thank you, Mike. It's Michael. a real thing, right? It's a real thing. What are, what it, are you saying here? <laughs> I thought that'd well, be a nice way to start the episode. It's a very nice way, but, but given... Our defences are up and we're like, so what's coming? I've, or, oh, I've already jumped on the hook oh. this morning for one comment way too easily and ju- got hook, line and sinker, <laughs> which, fuck... No, like, why do I do good. this? Why do I just leave myself oh, so open? I heard that I heard that shitty defence of um, someone accumulating wealth for yeah, themselves today yeah. by claiming that they work hard. Mm. People in the West don't work hard. We don't. People that make fucking um, expensive shoes and stuff like that. But out of everyone that we know in the West, I've got to say that you blokes are doing the thing and living the life, and you do put in the hours. So thank you. And I don't do all this editing and stuff. So fucking <laughs> thanks, mate. And don't, don't look all weird and be all fucking bashful about it. Just cop it and now no, we move on. Thank but it's you. a very rewarding uh, thing to do, Mick. When you get an episode out there, it's fucking something to be proud of. You're welcome, Chris, and you're welcome, Neil. Good Especially the last, the last one was fucking great. Like, what do we have? Four different people. Yep. All different to the two. So we've had six people now in the last two episodes on the show. It was just, just another. Maybe we should put a shout out tonight. Hey, we're recording. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing on your Sunday? We'll give you a call. I was going to ask for nominations for Australia of the Year. I reckon some people would just have some golden... Like, Bernard Cleary is my obvious choice for Australian of the Year. Witness K. I yeah. don't know who he is, but fucking good. Witness, and even better. Just Witness put on the form, nominate Witness K for being a good scout. <laughs> being a great be, scout. Be an awkward you know moment what, what made my day? What made my day this... I was looking through Twitter early this morning. Yeah. And I seen that Alexander Downer... Oh. And Georgina are starting a podcast. What? And I was like, oh, I can't wait for that. That's going to be amazing. That How long can you talk about, like, basically clearing the land of anything with a pulse, human, animal, or whatever, and taking it over for pasteurisation? And Have done nothing. But they haven't. They, Neither of those two did. personally. They weren't, weren't even the full shit carters that did clear the land. And no, no, it was just their ancestors. All they've yeah. done is live off old money. It, their whole life revolves around you're a downer. So you're expected to be involved in politics. That's it. Mm. That's the extent of their lives. Fucking whoop you do for them. Self-proclaimed nation builders. It's a, it's a tagline that fucking has a stain and a smell all over it. My little fella's pretty good at Minecraft. I reckon he's a better fucking nation builder than the Downers. <laughs> <laughs> he puts the blocks down Minecraft. <laughs> Minecraft's a serious business it, here. I don't I, know why look, you're laughing. I, yeah, no. no, that's what I mean. Joey, <laughs> Joey is getting pretty competent at Minecraft. Yeah. He's better than the downers at building stuff. Just saying. Yep. Excellent. And he's three. Okay. Sweet. But um, you, so you've, it's, it'll be top of the charts. It'll bump Joe Rogan off Spotify list or something. Oh, easy. Easy, yeah. <laughs> I reckon they'll at least get like four or five listeners. Oh, at least. Well, they'll get a lot just for humour, I think. I might even listen to it just so I can get a few sound The, com- the comments no, were amazing. <laughs> you Twitter's an amazing space for anyone who's not on Twitter. It's amazing. The comments were just fucking gold. Yeah, it's wonderful, isn't it? It's like you really wanted a triple uppercut, didn't you, Alex? <laughs> well done. <laughs> Talk about leading, putting that out there. Leading with the chin. But yeah. um bit of a taint of sadness with this episode. Yeah. Because uh, Michael Brooks. Comrade oh, yes. from New York. Yeah. Michael Brooks died suddenly. 
Um, Brain, a uh, blood clot or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was an aneurysm or, mm. or something, but definitely a fucking comrade that will be missed by this show. Anyway, mm. um, he was fucking, you know, a lot of the things he said were just spot on the money. Oh, and you talk about work ethic and that before, Mick. I mean, that, that individual... Michael Brooks, fucking hell, man. Like, the research and the time that he put in to interviews and stuff like that so that his questions were fucking pretty sharp and he could switch it up through conversations. Yeah, I, it was a constant uh, source of enjoyment for me on a weekly basis. Sometimes mm. it got bogged down all the rest of it, but that would be very hard space to fill. And, um, yeah, we need more people on the left like that, that's for sure. Yeah, My, um, my take on that is he was... 37 and he'd done a whole heap of study in history and politics and all that yep. super competent he put his money where his mouth is so he did organize in the community he flew to fucking brazil to interview his idol lula da silva down yep. there he did the business and he he what the real good thing in youtube land is because there's trillions of podcasts and you can get bogged down pretty easy mm. is he they did set themselves apart because it was sort of cool and streetwise the podcast but it was still fucking cutting right through there oh was yeah very limited amount of bullshit so the beauty of um the age we live in is even though he's passed um his family has made it pretty clear they want to continue his legacy and yep. there's hundreds and probably thousands of hours of podcasts and material of the michael brooks show on youtube and other shit he's been involved in so mm. please get involved in that because um if you want a bit of an inside run on U.S. and international politics is second to none, really. Mm. And he and he didn't really, he didn't piss in anyone's pocket either. He, it, it, the evolution of the show was so cool, and I was getting pretty excited to where it was starting to land now. Like he was focusing a lot on foreign policy and everything around foreign policy and structural um, issues within the way we organise humanity and stuff. But after the Bernie Sanders um, thing, like he put everything in behind that and was sort of trying to communicate why it's important to get someone from the left or, or at least past centre heading towards the left, um, fucking be helpful, um, and why it was so important all the rest of them communicating all the positive points. After that, he, he just sort of copped it on the chin, didn't fucking cry into his wheat bix at all, and he just jumped straight into the next obvious evolution for himself, was picking up the focus on how to organise workplaces that actually reach out into the political world. And um, so some of his recent guests were in that sort, of, that sort of area and I was really sort of starting to get quite excited about where it was going and where it was potentially taking some sort of middle class, not so maybe white collar educated people who tend to naturally drift to these real fucking dangerous like technocratic type solutions to fucking everything like just regulation type solutions to capitalism and um yeah there was sort of a really cool trend that he was dragging a lot of people from that space into working class traditional working class values yeah that's no, really good so it's a loss but um i'm glad you brought that up clarky it's mm. good <clears throat> i could talk about him for hours yeah nice no, <laughs> well, well we, you know there's heaps of content out there for the people that want to look him up and it's well worth it and just the caliber of guest that he used to get on the show was just phenomenal. Fuck, this last few months was insane, wasn't like, it? Noam Chomsky was his last uh, big one. Heaps. Anyway. Cornell West. Um, so I'll just kick off a couple of things that I want to talk about. And one of them is the news cycle. So we've, on this podcast, we've talked about the news cycle before, about how fast it is and how yesterday's news is almost, you know, something that's only an hour old. 
And Tim Smith, who's a Liberal MP, and he's been giving Dan Andrews uh, a pretty stern touch-along on Twitter and shit like that. And the bloke's a complete fucking moron. And the way in which he's changed his uh, point of view or his attack over such a short space of time. So originally he was coming out going, dictator Dan, you're locking us down, this is bullshit, why are we in lockdown, people are going to lose jobs, money's going to get hurt, um, all this shit. Our liberty's under attack. And yeah, all yeah, yep. all that bullshit. And then completely changes his opinion. <laughs> it <hurts>. yep. <laughs> a month later to like, oh, Dan, Andrew should have shut things down sooner and this yeah. is poor management and fucking blah, blah, They've blah. Got no fucking shame, do they? Just no shame whatsoever to completely just attack uh, with no merit whatsoever and totally contradict himself. But uh, that ties into uh, the more broader discussion about subcontracting things that should be essential public services and how a lot of people have sort of missed the entire point and so they're blaming government. So, oh, Dan Andrews, you know, some security guard did the wrong thing and now COVID's exploded and it's all your fault because you're the bloke at the top. But then missing the whole trick, which is it was a subcontracted service that should never have been subcontracted in the first place and should have been a government role Mm. um, to make sure that the quarantine measures were strict and professional. Yep. And it's... I mean, Jeff Kennett's got a long legacy in Victoria for privatising the fuck out of everything. Yep. Which will lead into my next discussion point. But I just want to talk about that model of small government, um, privatise everything, get subcontractors to do it, the lie about it's more efficient, so therefore you're saving taxpayers money or you can reduce taxes because you don't have to collect as much revenue to run these things and all those just ridiculous arguments that these clowns run. And the minute that something goes wrong, they're now trying to blame the government. Like, it's just fucking ridiculous. Probably the best thing that that's was, happened yeah. with the, this virus, this coronavirus, is that it's put a focus... I mean, here he's on TV now with um, uh, aged care. The, it's put a huge focus on topics that a lot of people would have missed because you know, the footy's been on or there's been just so many distractions in life where you're busy running around doing all sorts of stuff. But now the conversations and probably uh, – I've really enjoyed the drum, actually. I've been crook this week and I've watched so much ABC. It's fucking not funny. But the, um, the, the space where the drum's been coming into has been putting a pretty heavy focus on that. And I think like we were speaking earlier this morning uh, before about Nikki Saba or Savage, as she was this morning on Insiders, and really honing in on that, that aspect, you know, like – like we've said in here in the shed so many times, give the capitalists, give the industrialists fucking every coffee shop they want to fucking have and let them rip, you know, fucking let the free market just go. But pretty well everything else that's certainly the essential stuff like aged care, security, if it's that important, you know, some security, sure, fine. You know, if if you're keeping a coffee shop secure, no problem, you know, hand it out to whoever. But for stuff as important as as controlling the out break of a virus um which is a public health priority clearly subcontracting out to companies which clearly don't give, give a fuck you know i think the girl on um 7 report last week or the week before 
she'd got it through like a what she got the job through a whatsapp group mm. and it was really loose and it's like i just turned up here and didn't really know what sort of security work she was going to be doing and all this yeah, sort of stuff it's a sham contract it's not a subcontract yeah so yeah i can meet the the grade yeah so there's uh, in in that job there's no sick leave and and clearly one security guard if the stories are to be true was quite the casanova well, the cctv <laughs> footage is pretty um, oh, is pretty it? damning oh, yeah. i haven't seen that yeah but it was clearly you know, making sure that the guests were, were sort of, you know, not getting well too ca- Well catered for. <laughs> well, if you're getting 14 bucks an hour flat with no super and that, you suppose you, um, you're you going to – the mind wanders. <laughs> but in support of those points, absolutely. And the real important part about specifically aged care at this point because the ball's yes. up in the air and if it's on the drum, which we don't really regard as the bastion of fucking the left. It's, no. It's centrist at best and mm. tries to be edgy, but it's – struggles mm. aged care is there it's been clearly pointed out through the data that uh the private sector looking after an essential service like aged care is fucking it up and costing lives this is a really good opportunity for people to broaden their thinking on that because we've been banging on th- about this for a long time but to make sure that you wrap up aged care with other parts of care portfolios education energy all life support systems private sector will fuck it up because there's only two things there's a profit motive or there's um service quality and they will mm. pick profit every time and humans become the the product as well of course sense. they're commodity they're commoditized so yep. they ca- that's why you end up with fucking yep. three dollar meals and shit like that and yep. no nurses and whatnot it's pretty clear there's a, a royal commission into the subject still afoot mm. and that should really be broadened and extended like they did for the unions, they found another. They defunded the child fucking. What was it? The royal commission. The royal commission into institutional abuse. Uh, abuse. Yep. And they re- they pumped coin into the union royal commission. So if they see that ideologically is important, they should definitely be pumping the tyres up of the aged care one. Mm. But when we're thinking about, it, don't look at the aged care issues in abstract and think, oh, geez, that's just one fucking shit sector and that's fucked and those should, people should be held accountable. It happens all over town mm. in every essential service. It just happens to crystallise in aged care because you're exploiting fucking old punters at the end of their time. The term I read this it's morning was they're mining, they're mining the elderly in these aged care homes for profit. Like, that's it's just they a term, mine, they're mining yeah. it. I just thought no, that was right. a brilliant way of referring their energy, to them. They're mining and en- they're hedging energy to try and um, pretend to punders that energy is scarce. <laughs> so try and rob you. Yeah. So it's mining everything for profit rather than looking after an essential service. Yeah. Really good conversation to broaden out and let's start moving our fences outwards and go, it's not just aged care. Don't fucking get fixated on aged care. It's t- probably 20 things mm. that we need to say, fuck private providers off out of that thing. Completely. Yep. 100%. And human, yeah, human beings have become a commodity to be exploited yep. under the current economic mode. Like, it's putrid. And I think the mind does wander um, as you ponder things. And I, I think... <laughs> Yours in particular. Mine in, <laughs> mine in particular. And I think uh, we really need to come up with some basic human rights that are just not fucking negotiable. Mm. These are the things that you will get provided as a human being on this planet and as as the environment and the respect the environment deserves on this planet and they are boundaries that will not be crossed. Once that's sorted, the free market can do whatever the fuck it wants outside of that. Yes, well, I was only thinking of that the other night when I was at this... Couldn't couldn't give a fuck, but but 
you know, we're so far away from inequality and yep. just looking after the environment and doing the right thing and it's, you know, it's a slippery slope we're on and I think, you know, the there are people out there that want to distract us from that actual slope and pretend that everything and the status quo is fine and this is the best we can do but yep. fucking hell, we're drilling holes in our own boat at a rate of knots and if we don't wake up soon... Things are only going to get a hell of a lot worse, or a hell of a lot quicker. Yeah, um, and it's collectively as well. This is the other thing that I'm seeing a lot of lately is the 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 blame with a lot of the problems with the coronavirus when outbreaks blow up and, mm. and all this sort of stuff, and and it goes back to the environment and so on. It always gets brought back to depending on who's telling the story, but a lot of the times when their agendas sort of a little bit off where the shed is. Um, we'll pull it back to the individual. So individuals can solve climate change. Um, individuals can prevent the outbreak. There is some personal responsibility there as a collective, but that's not the fucking focus of where of where things to be. I mean, I, I would quite happily use a self-checkout machine at a shopping centre, right? Mm. Provided there, there was no stigma to being unemployed. In fact, every time a job was taken out of society because of efficiencies made through all the... Re- it was celebrated. That's one less person who has to work yep. on some nonsense fucking... T- I mean, not again, not taking saying someone who works at a supermarket is nonsense, but it's just like if we're just supporting life, if that's our main focus and to live out a full life, then anytime someone doesn't have to be at work, I think that's a fantastic fucking thing. Mate, if, if, if society gets to that viewpoint, <laughs> you are living in the year fucking 9,000. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I just, it's an aspiration. I, just, you know, getting I, I love it. It's a, yeah. beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, but it's fucking... Um, it's a hard... It seems like a long fucking hard road from here, man. Yeah, I, get, um, I know. And no stigma on um, unemployed, all that. It, so a lot of things would have to change. Clarky, sorry, mate. The, no, but you raised a really good point, Neil, about the individual and how there's been so much focus, neoliberalism focuses on the individual. It's up to you to get things done, you know. And yet we live in a community, but we're a bunch of individuals living in a community. Yep. And then... It's been a pretty good fucking lie, hasn't it? And then, <laughs> and then, we, and then we're surprised that people don't give a fuck about the community and they've got COVID and they're not at home and fucking all this other bullshit. So... You know, it's just a symptom of the lie and the social engineering of, oh, no, well, you've got all these individual responsibilities and, you know, you shouldn't rely on the community to bail you out or give you a hand if you're struggling a bit and, you know, it must mean there's a bit of a character flaw there. We're reaping what we have sown over the last, you know, 30 years of all this bullshit individual responsibility and don't expect the community to help you. Like, it's putrid. Like, the whole point of a community is that we can help one another. Mm. That's the whole point of it. Mm. But, oh, no, we can't do that. A lot of what, what's – it's and also who's been doing the sowing as well, you know, like who's been sowing that, that seed. There's been private, you know, money, profit-related interests have shaped the society we live in dramatically just in the last – well, since the Industrial Revolution is probably the, the best – point to to look at in a lot of ways where profit really just went on steroids all the motive for it and and all the rest of it um it's a real thing, right? it is definitely a fucking real thing my mind sort of wandered a bit there but yeah no all, all good no, stuff Clark. Just, yeah, you know just things you think about so my next talking point and i better hurry up because we're we're getting along was um you don't, you don't have to really it was uh josh frydenberg oh. referenced uh net I was going to say Nancy Reagan, um, Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, and then 
went on to have a bit of a uh, shot at the left saying, oh, you know, the reason why they're not liked by the left is because they were so successful. Mm. And <laughs> for who? That, that's, but that's, for who? It's for, true. For yeah, true. 100%, yeah, 100%, 100% for Mick. fucking 1% of people. That was, was going to be my whole successful. point. Yeah, they were successful. Yeah. But if you want to know what they were successful at, I'd suggest you read a book called The Shock Doctrine. It's fucking one of the most amazing books I've ever fucking had the privilege of fucking listening to. At the same time, being probably one of the most gut-wrenching and hardest pieces of literature to fucking um, endure because of the sheer horrific nature of the topic, which is the mm. f- free market fucking run and feral. And you're doing all, it, you're all doing over it the world at the moment too, because this is like a, a slightly softer version of shock doctrine. Is the economic clamps being put on due to COVID? So it's an interesting, as I was saying before we started recording. Yeah. You're listening to that book at a really interesting time because I had listened to it fucking oh, six or seven years ago when mm. it was Carry On Cotter. There wasn't much really going on in the grand scheme of things and now you're living in a, a time where there's a massive um, opportunity for capitalists to fucking screw down and you can see that, like millions unemployed, mil- tens of millions unemployed and billionaires have increased their wealth. Yeah. Um, there's p- policies that underpin that. Yeah. Well, she's she's um, been a fascinating one to follow. I, I got given a book by her. Naomi, when I was in my, Naomi Na- Klein. Naomi Klein, yeah, by um, a good mate who always gave me shit about, like I'd always have a, a shirt, T-shirt on, it might have a Nike logo or something on it. She goes, fucking hell, how do you feel about being a billboard? Just give me shit, stuff I'd never really thought about at all. So you've got to read this book. And No Logo was the book, so it was all about, largely about, worker exploitation in sweatshop labour and how inner cities of big cities around the world have just been gentrified by this inner city cool living type thing and the working class basically being punted for this warehouse site, all that sort of stuff. And she sort of has went on a, a natural evolution like similar to what we're talking about with um, Michael Brooks before and, and landed at that shock doctrine after 9-11. And it was really the opening up of how, this, how global this sort of seizing on a crisis or a shock and capitalising on it massively. And I think there was something I read this morning, 35 of the most wealthiest people in America, their wealth has gone up by over a trillion dollars. Like effectively our budget, Australian whole Australian budget for health, education, fucking... Very, blah, blah. Hard, very hard workers though. Oh. Nice boat. <laughs> yeah, so when we're talking about this coronavirus, putting a really good magnifying glass on some of the problems in our systems and in our the way we organise society, it, it's the one certainly one of the positive things that's come out of it. But a shock... Nonetheless, that, that will be the temptation to exploit, like Naomi Klein spells out in that book. It's just fucking, it really is a rinse and repeat method. It's like these dudes, families, whatever, are just looking for the next shock, whether it's going to be engineered, like the financial crisis, you could argue, was pretty well engineered. They knew that if they kept leveraging margins that heavy, something was going to break, and it did, and so they were prepared for it, and they got around it and certainly knew about it before it actually happened. You know, there's just trades going on in the middle of the night as the world's just going by and knowing none the wiser of what's going on. But, yeah, so that book is amazing. And there's a heap, she's done a few – after she did the book, she did a lot of talking tours. Yeah, you can catch her on YouTube. On YouTube. And that condenses the book down into about a 45-minute The Very Good thing. Docker. And very it, Good Docker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, terrific. The, the really book's good. pretty full on. I think it's about 15 or 20 hours worth. That's a fair bit. Does yeah. she read it or is it just someone else? No, it's it? someone else someone reads else. it. But, okay. fa- but the reason why it's so long is because of the, the long length 
of this shit fuckery that's been going on mm. and she just documents one country after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. And mm. I'm currently up to the part where she's talking about Iraq and fuck me, mate. Like, it's just, it's no wonder, like, the world's in turmoil with the shit that's gone on. Yep. Um, and they're... We touched on it last episode about ignorance and how there's a fucking heap of ignorant people in uh, Australia and how they've done no research but base their opinions on the opinions of other people and have just got it so wrong. Like there's, you, there's you, been a, you got something to say on that, have you? Been, so I, I could, I could. Are you are you about are you about done with that one, man? Yeah, no. I'm, <laughs> I'll let you have a go, Mick. It's fine. Have a go, mate. <laughs> no, just it, it was a fucking perfect segue. Um, I had I saw on social media again this week a few guys share a pretty well-worn post about uh, defending any allegations of the SAS committing war crimes in Afghanistan. Oh yeah, okay. So while yep. while we're talking about ignorance and propagating that sort of bullshit, and on the back of the shock doctrine and going to Afghanistan particularly. Just gets me to the same thing is that it's not even hypocrisy because people that share it, and I don't want to demean them too much, but they're not aware of the facts. So you can't really be a hypocrite if you don't fucking know what's going on. And you can't be pro-war and anti-refugee. Just fucking stop it. Like. And the, the the other sort of facet to that is hero worship of soldiers. And, like, I'll be the first to admit, they do something that I wouldn't be constituted to do. I just wouldn't be game enough to fucking want to be prepared for my life to end for something I wasn't fully believing in, right? Yep. So props to people that just go, fuck that, and are aware of the fact that they may be thrown into a situation they don't agree with and it might end their life, and that's fucking that's pretty radical and, and props to that. But and they're just going to do, do a job that they've been trained to do. As, as I say, yep. so there's this hero worship that goes on there, and especially around the SAS, like that's really fucking like the, the special air service. Like it's the, the top dogs, right? I think we can, we can probably thank American Hollywood movies with the, the Navy SEALs. To, anyway, go. go no, no, no. Go, go. You're 100% <laughs> right, mate. It's glorified this completely unnecessarily because at the end of the day, their employees doing a job. Mm. So the real problem is there. They go, oh, there's these fucking heroes. Don't touch them. Hands off. Don't fucking talk badly about the SAS. But they weren't going there to defend Australia. So you can't really lay the wreath around their neck and say, oh, they're heroes. Afghanistan was never going to fucking attack Australia in 100 million years. There'd be, there'd be, a, million, there'd be a lot of things happen around the world and one of the last things would be Afghanistan attacking Australia. So it wasn't heroism defending the country. So on the, the point of view that they're really involved in a fucking capitalist oil war an energy war in Afghanistan, that's all it fucking was, to then fuck their country up Cause the refugee crisis, as we've done in a million countries before, similar to all the trail of carnage in shock doctrine. Yep. And then not only share the memes about, oh, fucking SAS did what they had to do or fucking whatever else it is, but then share the memes about, oh, fucking boat people, Afghani people coming here, it's all fucking no good. Come on. Just come on. Yeah. I mean, that John Pilger documentary called Other People's Wars is a great reference point for anyone who's um, a bit confused about what where we might be coming from and maybe even a bit offended that you're even poking, potentially like talking bad about a soldier. It's not about the individual. It's, it's what they're representing when they go and do these things. The whole motive for going into these places is to support the private corporate interests 
of that company of that country you know so it didn't it didn't afghanistan did not benefit australia one or other no because the US, at the end of the day the u.s will drop us like a fucking hot spot anyway yeah it won't, this, it won't matter this short movie or documentary that's about to come up called reluctant savior i think it is might have to sort look that. it up yeah so it's only got to a i think it's sort of a crowd source type thing expanding with a little bit more focus on probably what ba- uh, balabo did a few years ago, sort of, sort of highlighting some of the nuance of the um, the East Timor conflict and the broader history and all the rest of it. It's not our war. It's not a war to, for defending the country. It's defending the corporate interests or the potential profits that are on offer to be exploited. Not even our. Not even. It sounds Democrat- a lot like um, foreign aid. Just saying. De- Democrat uh, well, government, which, which you talked about a few episodes ago. Yeah, there's um, on that. The Australian Institute's been doing a heap of um, podcast things the last... Well, since COVID's been on, more focus on it because that's the way you can only catch up and have a chat. But they've got Bernard Cleary coming on in about a month's time. Oh, fuck. That's saw, good. I saw that. Fuck me dead, man. If that like if that's live, that's fucking could be potentially very fucking dangerous for... Um, you know what I mean? You talk about people being mysteriously fucking just going missing. <laughs> like, they've got a month. Anyone who doesn't really want to have him to have a public voice on a... On a like, those podcasts have been getting about two or 3,000 people live and then it obviously gets listened to as a podcast later on. Bernard, <laughs> don't clean your guns and don't... Just catch the bus, mate. Don't drive a car. Don't do any Well, between him things. and the other, the other guest is um, Jose Ramos... Uh, Ramos Horta, yeah. like he's got a fair bit of dirt on the Australian government as well that he probably wouldn't mind getting off his chest yeah. if the bright platform offered him that that option. Nice it's, access to grind. But it, the, yeah. I, just um, quickly before you go, Neil, yep. just to tie up that point about the the hypocrisy of that point is very rarely I suggest would it be saying, oh, actually, I think we should accept refugees even if we don't go to war. That mm. would be the ideal situation because we can look after everyone. I'm stunned. You've been seeing dangerous things. Might be a good time for me to share that Iraq episode uh, of Eyes Left podcast on our on our um, Facebook page. Yeah, I fucking think, heavy. I think that's a great fucking entry point for a couple of ex-soldiers from the Iraq Conflict. It's hard to listen. It is very heavy. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it's heavy. Well, even the prelude, the first hour, where they're just sort of talking about their personal experience. But when you get past that first hour point and it shifts into where they start to have a bunch of guys talking about their personal experience, it's horrific. Yeah, it's horrific. Yeah, cool. So, cool. Mad tangent. Thanks of them. I was talking about Josh Frydenberg. So I just want to finish that off by saying. (laughs) I forgot about. Is that how it started? Yeah, it's how it started. It's good. But I just want to finish it off by oh, saying, that's excellent. When you when you critique the outcomes of what Reagan and Thatcher did, you see a massive rise in inequality, a massive transfer of wealth of public money uh, into the hands of the private sector, and you basically see the working class uh, living standards destroyed and heaps of people become unemployed. So. If that's something to hold up on a pedestal, I'd suggest give yourself a triple and face a wall because you're a collaborator. The class war is here. If you don't think it is, you're not paying attention. And that's where I'll wrap up my talking points for this week. That's it. That's all you got. They're the only things I'd written down. The Kathy Wilcox cartoon was fantastic on that Josh Frydenberg. Did you see that one? It was... um uh, Josh and ScoMo having a chat. Not memes yet, mate. Not memes yet. Oh, is this mean though? 
I suppose it can't. All right, I'll save it for later. Save, save it. For later. We've got an intro Go. for that. Oh, haven't we? Yeah. Haven't we? If we want to not you. have it to be two-thirds <laughs> done on this potty, I've only got one other thing I wanted to have cool. a quick yarn about. And yeah. it's very odd, Same. but... Oh, actually, there was a... There you go. It's quite superficial, but I thought it was really fucking powerful and it made me think. Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, he was just on TV then. What's that yeah, all about? so, yeah. for you know, until fucking 10 hours ago, I thought... Dickhead, fucking sport tennis player. Thinks he's got a range of problems being a multi-millionaire playing fucking stickball, which is cool. Good on him. But wasn't super popular and had made a bit of a goose of himself, if we're being frank, by just chatting shit and not being self-aware. But what he's done is apparently there seems to be a bit of a push to reopen some of the tennis tours, particularly in Europe. And there's a fair few tennis players that are chasing a bit of coin and not really... Uh, being principled about how fucked COVID is and the fact that them, maybe being super fit athletes, they're not going to perish from it, but fans are going to turn up, it's going to get spread, and it's bad for people that aren't Mm. rich, right? Yep. And he made a really fucking powerful monologue over what's happening. Oh, Oh, hang on. Have we got music for for the animal? No. (laughs) No, We'll sort that. But um, Nick Kyrgios, really powerful monologue about why it's important that people pull their fucking heads in. It was basically a statement about stop being greedy and tennis and making a lot of money, chasing money on the the tennis circuit is not the be on and end all. And there's a range of occupations that are put in danger by them pursuing that. And it was fucking grouse. I've got to say, it was fucking grouse. Well, you think so, about this. Oh, no, it's um, great. It's good that he made that, used his platform to actually make a decent point. Of course. Yep. Absolutely. He gave um, Dokovic a bit of a fucking touch-up. Djokovic. Djokovic, is yeah. it? Djokovic. Was Who's he Djokovic? The one who had the, was he the one who had the... He tournament, tournament, yeah. yeah, and he yeah. got, co- I think he got COVID. But and that was there got COVID. That was about four, five months ago now. Yeah, yeah. And Nick came out and said, "What the fuck are you doing? This is ridiculous." Back um, then, yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. Mm. Fuck, oh, okay, yeah. so I'm, I've I've just turned up. Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, well, I wasn't aware of what you were talking about, but yeah, no. He fucking he came out and said, "It's fucking ridiculous. What are you doing?" No, if you get if you get a chance, it was a prepared statement that he recorded, and it was fucking really good. It talk, That's good. It talked about like if we call this tennis tournament to to happen, there are all these people, and he described occupations that would be forced to be there as a job mm. and it's fucking dangerous and it's not cool pull your fucking heads in well, it's not um, hard to we'll, think of them either we'll like find that we'll, we'll bang it in and I yep. there, I didn't think I'd be saying that but Nick Kyrgios fucking good cunt of the week there you go there you go very That's, good is that a segment Mick good cunt of the week yep I like it is it I think and it is a surprise. have we just got another segment it's fucking it's got to be Clark wipe that fucking grin off your face Chris <laughs> But but to be honest, Clarky, Mick does come up with the best names for segments. He does. He does. He, he does. He's a segment king. He is a segment king. <laughs> Dear Tennis, let's take a breath here and remember what's important, which is health and safety as a community. We can rebuild our sport and the economy, but we can never recover lives lost. I've got no problem with the USTA putting on the US Open. And if players want to go, that's up to them. So long as everyone acts appropriately and act safely. No one wants people to keep their jobs more than me. I'm speaking for the guy who works in the restaurant, the cleaners, the locker room attendants. These are the people that need their jobs back the most and fair play to them. But tennis players, you have to act in the interests of each other and work together. You can't be dancing on tables, money grabbing your way around Europe or trying to make a quick buck hosting an exhibition. That's just so selfish. Think of the other people for once. 
That's what this virus is about. It doesn't care about your world ranking or how much money you have. Act responsibly. To those players that have been observing the rules and acting selflessly, I say good luck to you. Play your own risk and I have no problem with that. I will not be playing this year at the US Open. It hurts me at my core not to be out there competing in one of the sport's greatest arenas, Arthur Ashe Stadium. But I'm sitting out for the people, for my Aussies, for the hundreds and thousands of Americans who have lost their lives. For all of you, it's my decision, like it or not. And those are my reasons. Yours sincerely, Nick. It's rubbish. <laughs> Demonstrably rubbish. Is That's poop talk. <laughs> Absolute poop talk. So it's completely good. accurate. So good. And uh, <laughs> all right, boomer yeah. amnesia again. This uh, week. Oh, <laughs> fucking nice. Uh, That's a good Facebook. Just fucking uh, relax. Yeah. Hey. Yes. <laughs> okay, boomer. Not a bad Facebook. Not a bad Facebook page. I must admit. <laughs> oh. Neil. Well, we. Uh, well, I've, just, I've just slayed it for about forty-five minutes. So, what are you two got? Well, that was pretty much everything I had. You haven't been. talked about anything, mate. I've talked about it. Oh, I've just jumped off. I've probably just, I've ridden your coattails. Yeah, to be honest, I did leave my book at home, but um, <laughs> I've got the wrong book. Oh, thank fuck for that. Oh, um, fantastic! So, a couple of things I've been harping on a bit just lately. Smiling yes, smiling plenty of that. Wave. Plenty of that. Um, couple of things I've been harping on about lately, one of them being the Noam Chomsky book, uh, Manufacturing Consent. So a really interesting thing happened this week, sort of, a bit of going off on a bit of a commentary type tangent, but uh, was the two women who did a few sneaky things and got back into Queensland. And it was what was, like, there was, what was fascinating for me was that the Courier-Mail, well, all media outlets named them individually and showed photos of them. But it was almost like if you want to sort of get into who's pulling the strings around these places and stuff, if you want to test the water for where the country is on things like racism and that sort of thing, fucking some of the headlines were certainly testing that theory out that they ran. I think... Steve Mav, Clarky. Sorry, oh, really? You keep going, but... Oh, Jesus He Christ. jumped oh, in on it. me. I but am the, worried about it. The but other thing was that... Enemies was a, of the state was the, was the, was the thing. Now, a rich, enemies... A rich couple also came back into Australia and did the exact same... Basically. Yeah. The exact same thing, and magically, it just didn't publish their names. Oh, it's fucking... It's complete and utter fucking... It, well, this is the manufacturing, out, manufacturing outrage, essentially, and testing where the temperature is on racism... In this country. And who, clearly who we've still got a massive fucking problem. There's a Victorian and Queensland state election with sitting Labor governments in both those states. Mm. Who would have fucking thought that was a thing with talk, starting to talk about people of colour? Exactly. I mean, when you call someone an like, enemy of the state, dead. they're a terrorist. You know what I mean? <laughs> Convenient that the colour, the, the old swatch card fucking came out <laughs> and the colour of the skin was fucking wrong and it was a perfect target. And rather than which rich white folk doing the same thing and then uh, they don't want to have people clutching their pearls and worried that yeah. the plebs are going to start making a run on the bank sort of thing, you know. It's probably only poor old Karen at Bunnings or whatever that, uh, you know, is probably the only one who's really got don't, the same sort of attention. Don't be Karen. So. I've, got a, I've got a great meme on, on that one. That, uh, probably not that great. There's been yeah. millions of them, but fucking... Is it... Is it- it's almost as if that uh, the conservatives trying to paint the left as snowflakes is not even a thing with the mm. conservative people not wanting to wear masks and then having a fit when they just have to fucking 
Yeah. That's it's a really, cunning plan, actually. It's a massively cunning plan. If it's yeah. a cunning plan by the Conservatives, it's they're taking the long way home. Yeah. Tell you. And there's so, a bit of egg being splashed around on people's faces. Yeah. There's, um, there was a great video I watched today with a guy demonstrating how a mask works. And it was fuck it was really good. So he put he put a he had a worked out all these aerosol sprays that were flammable and would shoot about eight foot, which is American one and a half meters or something thereabouts. And he was he was firing it through and there was a mannequin with a flame in front of him. And so when the aerosol or whatever hit it, it burst into flame. So he's going with a mask, without a mask, it's fucking in by the end. This mannequin on the other side, which is effectively the person you're coming into contact with, was just full on in flames. It was really Head was on clever. fire? It was good. I thought it was quite a, 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 a very good, very graphic representation on probably the importance of wearing a mask when you're getting into situations like what they've got in Victoria at the moment. I think I sent you guys the picture... Uh, Stephen Marshall, the Premier of South Australia, is there's nothing that fucking makes me vomit and realise there's probably a, a lot of things, but this is certainly one of them that fucking gets me upset. When you see a Premier or some sort of Prime Minister or whatever who chucks on a fucking hard hat with a company's name on it, that oh. is absolutely fucking dog shit. Shit, shit Carter. Yeah, so he's proud of this massive fucking investment that of all fucking companies in the world to be proud of is fucking Raytheon. Oh, I know, like, talk, talk about a company that, yes, it employs a lot of no people. No friend of the worker. But it has the sole fucking purpose of producing fucking shit that kills other humans. It's like, that's nothing that's to get too fucking... Kill another worker in another country. That's yeah, what it does. That's not an investment to be too far. And the, way, the words he was fucking using to putrid. describe this company was just would make your fucking blood boil if you could have side by side the statistics of how much death and destruction that this uh this company produces but anyway that was probably the other thing i was going to speak about just on that manufacturing oh. consent that you were talking about there the uh two different coverages of two different events the ruby princess and the fucking hotel security guard that did the wrong thing and you look at the two different types of coverage that came out of both those things where one saw the right wing just fucking slaying dan andrews like he wouldn't believe like so, he's personally said high five the bloke going yeah. good good work pal yeah, yeah yeah fucking you've done a great job there that's exactly what i hired you for so it's his individual fault yep yep but then the Ruby Princess is basically silence. Well, it was a problem with the department. Faceless people silence. making... Yeah, absolutely. Ruby, absolute what was the hashtag? Ruby Dutton, I yeah. think. Was. <laughs> yeah. But let's just fucking... Own, like, both situations are very similar. Like, there was a fuck-up somewhere. Of course. Yeah, yeah. They both deserve to be analysed and the issues discussed. But one's you're attacking a bloke, flat stick forever. It's his fault. Fucking get rid of him. And the other one's free-kick play on. Yeah. Like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's either they're both as bad as each other or they're fucking something that needs looking into and let's figure out what's going wrong here and fix it. It really highlights where the um, ideologies of, of the media lay when that's the sort of two very clear examples of more yep. or less the same thing. 100%. And, and how they get played out in the media. Yeah, it's pretty sad, pretty sad. A few people having problems with expense claims in South Australia at the moment. That's been quite funny to watch. <laughs> when it's a Liberal Party, you just fucking love oh, it. Oh, and the, the old mate got <laughs> upset. And he's like, oh, the, the Labor Party should make all their people go through their stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, at the like, moment you're in government let's just have a look at you yeah, the time let's, being, just, yeah. uh, let's just have a look at your books hey? and it's not even it's not even at the ICAC level yet this is just just ABC and the age or something running a you know looking at a few indiscrepancies and going oh, FOI this and and uh, 
and see what pops up. Well, it's a bit of a treasure trove. How many mm. people have stood down? About four or five. Oh, there's a few. Which yeah. is, it seems to be easier to get someone to step down in South Australia than it is for someone to step down in Canberra um, for the last few years. The amount of, nice. the amount of Liberal ministers. Your mate, Angus. Should, Angus Taylor. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, there was a meme uh, a few weeks ago that was shared and the list was pages long of all the things that really should have cost someone their job and didn't. Just goes to show how helpful it is when your mates are, uh, own the newspapers, the biggest mm. newspapers of the country. It's helpful. So just one last thing that I want to talk shit bits. about before we go into our segment. Yes. Um, <laughs> was a Facebook page is called A Different View. So it's like mm. a centrist, right-wing sort of page that pretends to be smart. and a deep, deep th- they sort of sit off to the side like as deep thinkers. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, you look or, it up. We, they we, want to think they're we, deep thinkers. We bag out everyone, so, you know, we're on a finger on the pulse. <laughs> but they put a redi- – and I'm always giving them a hard time. They put out a ridiculous post about we should detach ourselves from China and attach ourselves to India because they're an emerging economy and, you know, their middle class is – is quite small and they, you know, look like they're going to grow their middle class, class. So that's where the consumption of our natural resources is probably going to be the next sort of, you know, the bounty for us. And one of the ridiculous things they said in their post was basically that we should be bringing over Indian workers to Australia because we can exploit them and they don't expect the same as what Chinese workers do okay. and will do jobs that are probably considered beneath most Australians and the Chinese that come over here, they expect the minimum wage. Fucking hell, it's, it's sad, isn't it? It's it really sounds and almost, it's like it's like history repeating itself. And you just and I just like you blokes are fucking hopeless. Yeah, like you you never ever call out the root cause of anything. It's a pretty common. And all you do is just populist rubbish and sit in the centre, bag out Labor, bag out the Liberals. You're like you're fucking hopeless. Mm, and to, to, to put side. something like that. On public record, just shows your true colours. Pretty You're sad. just a collaborator. <laughs> fucking face the wall and fucking move on. There was, that one. There was some good uh, radio morning radio this week with two elections held in Tassie um, on the weekend or yesterday. So they're doing the usual go around to where all the polling, you know, go to the various electorates. And they went down the Huon Way and they were talking to a farmer about the problem of not having enough Polynesian uh, fruit pickers. You know, they, surely oh, we could no. create some sort of essential worker bubble with po- the Polynesian Fijian. Uh, I could, yeah, I think, so, yeah, think it was. Talking yeah. about piecework. Oh, you know, you can make good money on piecework and, you know, more than what you get on JobKeeper or JobSeeker. That might that have been a different... That, no, that I didn't oh. hear was different to that one. But basically, Leon Comp, the um, host of the show, he, he asked the guy, he said, well, you know, surely some local people... Oh, Local people are too lazy, but living off, uh, what, do they, what do you say, sucking on the sweet tit of, of welfare or something like that. It was like, you fucking stain on humanity. But no way. To get back onto, yeah, it was pretty savage. And it, that was his parting comment. And it's like, well, okay, we might move on to the next fucking person in the line. They've got, anyway, peace work. I, I experienced peace work firsthand about 20 odd years ago, picking apples in the, in the southwest of Tassie. Fucking hell, man. I think it was $18 for one of those. You know those bins you see at the supermarket with, the, with all the stuff in it? So it's a full bin. Size of a pallet, but like Size what, of a, a metre high? Maybe? Yeah, so it'd be, it'd be a cubic metre of apples. Yeah. $18. I did two days, and the second day was a Friday, and that was it. Fuck, I didn't go back on the Monday. I think, my best, I, think I made three pallets was my best day. 
and hard work, like up and down this mm. big trestle, no safety, no fucking nothing. Yeah, that was my experience. And if that's sure, is that that is illegal, isn't it? These days, piece piecework is supposed to be illegal, isn't it? Paid for. Well, there's a minimum wage. That's right. Yeah. So I was paid. I can't remember how I was. I'm pretty sure I got the job through some sort of employment agency, sort of in between jobs. I'd done a shut out at, at Zinc Works and needed work for a few weeks. And I thought, oh fuck, I'll I'll look for something. And landed with that. It's and I thought, still, oh, that'd be good. to be outside. It'd be fucking be all right. It's it's still allowed to be a thing. And everyone knows that that's what they desire is that exploitable fucking labour that wants to probably keep their visa kosher and be a tourist but make a bit of coin. Sure. But the reality is that this dude um, pouring his heart out to Leon, who's mm. a good scout, by the way, is one of thousands of farmers. It's a business model. Sure. It is, and yep. the fuck thing is, there's no examination of his finances, so he's probably making a motta. Mm. But unless he's going tits up, people should just say to him, well, you need to show us the sums, otherwise pay the minimum wage and shut the fuck up. That's as simple as that. Yeah, yep. 100%. I'm so, I just couldn't... The guy but that gets, I heard it was... Get, it gets oxygen, though. Like, oh, oh, no, we, no, need, oh, we need access to these workers. I've heard it in... Um, up in New South Wales about or- orange country, like they needed to pick oranges. Oh, and yeah, that. oh yeah. we, we need these workers. They work a bit harder and all that. But the media never scratches a little bit beyond, beneath the surface and just says, why does it matter how fucking hard they work? Either you can make money um, growing oranges and people are going to buy them yeah. or not. Yep. And if it doesn't become, if it's not profitable, pay the minimum wage, what do we do? Nationalise it. Nationalise it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, oh, I, I did, that is so good. My, yeah. Your mate, Bob Catter. Um, <laughs> who, who are you talking to there, Clark? Oh, just, myself or fuck? Nah, just everyone in general. <laughs> Everyone's I don't want to saddle anyone specifically <laughs> with actually being mates with him, so it's just a general statement. But he's fucking hopeless. I don't mind a comment on his Facebook page when he talks shit because he's fucking, he is useless. And I said something on one of his stupid quotes that he put up on Facey about... Um, nationalising farm, farming oh, yeah. because of uh, the high-risk nature and the, the, the amount of variables and all, all the shit. So I said, there's an easy way. If farmers love farming, they, all they want to do is farm and they're fuck, it's in their blood and they're 10th generation and fucking yep. they just want to farm. Let's just nationalise their farm. They'll get the satisfaction out of their labour. Yeah, they, they, they can work for the government farming and then there'll be no stress. Won't matter if there's drought. All we'll do is go, well, there's no drought over there, so we'll move you over there and you can farm over there and it'll be fine. Well, this was one of the things and that was... some cunt who had a, I think it was an Angus Cow was his profile picture. Sure. Commented and said, you're joking, aren't you? <laughs> I'm like, no. Well, if you're only... You either love farming or you don't, yep. and you're either bullshitting or you're not. Mm. So you're either farming because you want to make yourself wealthy, or you're farming because you like farming. Yeah, well, like, this... let's not fucking let's not uh, try and distort the truth of why you're actually doing that. Are you fucking genuine or not? Because I'll be honest with you, that's how um, farmers have successfully entrenched themselves as untouchable. Yeah, because I've I've done farming as a hobby, and as a hobby, I found it quite enjoyable. Um, running cattle. I don't know if it's something that I'd want to do for a living, but if these people are so passionate about it, because every one of them you talk to is the most passionate farmer in the fucking world, if there's a gold medal, every one of them would have one. So if you're that keen about farming, let's just fuck all the stress off out of it, all the financial burdens and all the uncertainty with the weather and all that sort of bullshit. We'll just fuck all that off. We'll nationalise it and you can go and farm for your fucking heart's content. And fucking, we won't have to worry about people committing suicides over fucking, you know, their farm going bust and all this other bullshit. But, you know, that's seen as a ridiculous idea and fucking so on and so forth. But 
Just thought I'd throw it out there, nationalised farming. I think there's one, I'll just make one quick point on that. The water rights uh, issue with Angus Taylor and the Murray Darling and so on, that, that, oh, fuck, he goes Siri again. Um, oh, no. Oh. The, um, yeah. <laughs> is that a buzz I can hear above the shed? Um, what that highlighted was the sheer number of farms or properties that are no longer owned by farming families or individuals. They're owned by corporations. Mm. Um, yeah, well, there is a little bit of that, but the but the bulk the bulk are owned by. <laughs> oh God, there's another rabbit hole we could go down. It's fucking it's a chunk, don't a chunk a foreign interest. It's Uncle Baz. Yeah, oh, fuck. oh, he's back. He's back. <laughs> Hey, Uncle Baz, what do you reckon about the Chinese? Oh, <laughs> fucking buying our farms and shit, selling land to the Chinese traders. <laughs> it's been a conservative government for a long time. Your mob. But the Chinese paid top dollar, Uncle Baz. I suspect there is more um, take, farm- take, take over. Fucking Uncle Take Baz. over. Take, where did Mick go? Fucking get him back. There is more, put it, to my point is, there's more people working as farm managers than owners of the farm. There was a couple uh, interviewed on ABC during the week. Again, I've been watching a lot of ABC while I've been off. And yeah, they were. that's how they identified on the introduction. They were managers and they referred to, in some cases of their conversation, the benevolence of the family that owned the farm in keeping them on as managers through the time of the drought and then the bushfires and then now they're coming into good season. There's been a lot of rain and all this sort of stuff. You know, they'll, they're looking forward to paying back that, you know, getting the farm working through these um, good times of, of rain and, and all the rest of it. And it's like, fuck, that, I'm guessing... I'll, Sounds like coal miners in the early 19th century, you're saying. Well, yeah, look, I'm guessing now there would be more people on farms that are managers that are employed by the owners of the property and not the other way around, not actually owning the property themselves, who are just there working. So this myth of farmers and so on, I think it's a myth tied back to eras of Banjo-Patterson that if we look at the true nature of evolution, yes, there's a lot of foreign ownership and so on but it's corporatized really farms now so the concept of nationalizing Shut your mouth i know, I know. the concept Mate. of nationalizing it is a fantastic thing but it will take a full revolution of some magnificent proportions before i think we're going to get to that particular place bring it on Clark, i know clark you'd love it the yep, opposite. for sure because it's and we won't oh. go off on too much of a tangent we can do but yeah. it ties back into that whole thing about human rights Sure, that I mentioned yes. before, yep. we have the technology, we have the resources. It should be a human right that every human on the planet can have a nutritious meal of naturally grown food sources and be delivered to your fucking door. And when you go through school, you get taught how to prepare all this shit and make decent meals for yourself so you don't have to rely on takeaway and shit like that. Well, sh- like, should, should we say that... It's a basic human hoarding, right. Hoarding land due to intergenerational mismanagement of resources and putting your head in the sand is not a human right. No, of course it's, it's not. not. So private you know, private ownership, work, private like ownership everyone else, is not a human I remember right. the great man Eric Abetz said it uh, might have been 2013 <laughs> or 14 when uh, some of the IR stuff was bubbling in a way and talking about unemployment and opportunity and all that and someone said, well, what about in Tassie? It's got horrific youth unemployment and unemployment in general. What do you say? And he said, oh, well, you, not everyone's going to get their perfect job. Maybe you're just going to have to move somewhere else to get a job. Yep. So would the same apply for a business or a business owner? Absolutely. If, you're, if, if the world's changed and, you know, El Nino or some other effects have um, changed the use of your land, just because you inherited a couple of million dollar property, um, that's not, you know, a natural 
given right that everyone else should just um, bend over and wear your problems, you know. Mm. And that's if you, been if you want to if you want to apply that sort of thing into everyone else, that's fine. But um, it's not going to work. Sorry. One of the one of the themes on ABC this week, which has been frustrating the fuck out of me, is getting people to write in or send a text message of their story of how they've been supporting their local businesses through this oh, tough time. Stop. And it's like, oh, fuck, you know, consumers oh, have been consuming because they've been the buying end. shit. Yeah. But you've got to now, now there's an added value that you're actually doing a good thing by buying shit. It was really, really quite a sad moment. Check out, consumers have got like slightly excess money above their living costs. This is incredible. Yeah, it's fucking a terrible thing. It's almost like businesses are a byproduct of um, (laughs) workers being able to spend the proceeds of labour. Almost, Mm. almost. You might be you might be touching on something there, Mick. Oh, sorry, I we should explore that in had, another episode. It's rattled around my head for a few years now. <laughs> but this inability of the mainstream to execute the chicken or the egg argument—it's like everyone knows trickle down's bullshit, but they can't. We don't define it well. But the reality that we've got economic fucking bloodbaths happening like GDP falling off a cliff which is basically a contraction of an economy. No one is really tying it to the fact that. It's because workers aren't spending that economies are in the toilet. I'm not- stunned. You've been saying dangerous things <laughs> regularly on this on this podcast. But separate. We everyone know everyone listening to this fucking knows that. But the mainstream narrative is, oh well, business people are nervous. The the economy is contracting because business people are nervous and they don't know where to invest. That's what the conservative economics would tell you. What we're seeing is, same as the aged care ability for us to execute an argument in don't privatise essential services, is the reason the economy is actually in the toilet is average punters aren't spending the meagre amount they have above the cost to exist Mm. in a business. It's shit before motherfucking shovel. (laughs) If workers don't have money... Businesses can't do anything because no cunt's got any money to spend. Jeff, the end. The amount of non-discretionary spending going on at the moment is so low. Not great that, or terrible. The, yeah, no, the, it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty three, low. Yeah. Three point six wrong. If you're relying, if you're relying on someone to just have like cash flow in their pocket to spend on something they don't need to do to live, yep. you know, like a coffee or something. Well, maybe not a coffee, but you know, things that are non-discretionary, there's not much of it happening. In fact, so much so that um, an article in the paper this week read that they're going to go after people who may have um, drawn on their super without technically qualifying for being able to draw on your super. You know, and, well, and, and find it. It's like fucking... Well, it's done. It's, you can't allow someone to do it and then turn around. It's, it's robo-dead all over again. That's a, very got, Thatcher, that's a very Thatcherite fucking policy. Massively, yeah. Let people access it. Okay, there's yeah. arguments for and against. They did it. They allow yeah. people to access it. Then, then don't turn around and say, oh, but you didn't... You only lost your job for a week or you fucking... You thought you were going to be made redundant, but you weren't. And, you know, the clock's ticking on when you can withdraw it, so you withdrew it. Yeah, it's... Ga- um, gaslight workers and then try and bash them up for doing the thing that you gaslighted them. Yeah. And it's only... It's 20 grand, I think, you're able to get, I think, over the over the two ten, periods. 10, ten each time ten, or something. Yep. But they were talking about issuing fines of 12 grand. It's like, fuck off. You know, or taxing people because they're withdrawing the money tax-free. And it's like, fucking... Just park that shit up. And didn't you learn anything from RoboDebt? You know uh, what I mean? This like, is, this it doesn't is, exist, what are you talking about? That's <laughs> my fear. Even though it would pay, make sense. I'm pretty sense. sure that's what the head of the apartment said. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is true. That's that might be shipment of, shipment of the week, whoever that um, lady was that turned out for uh, to front the RoboDebt. Senate debt. estimates, I think it was. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was, was like, yeah. oh, what? No, nah, right. Never heard of it. No, I... <laughs> The image of, that was captured of her with looked like What's she was on? strangling an imaginary neck. 
It's been used in a meme a million yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, mate. She was just waiting for a mate. It's gone. <laughs> oh, it's gone. Oh, it's completely gone. <laughs> we trampled all over that Sorry, train. Sorry, Michael. My, oh. my delicate little brain could not. Sorry, buddy. Couldn't handle it. No, it's sorry. It's fine. Does that mean it's time for. Does it, it is. Oh, it's absolutely Does time. It? I can't hear Oh, it. wait. Stop. Turn it down. Hang on. Turn it. Turn, stop. Oh, it's not a meme. Okay. Before you do it. Okay. You do it slower. But it will happen. So I was walking over at, uh, where is it? Bell Reef, they've done like a community walking track around the foreshore there, which is yep. fine. Yep. And it fucking shouldn't happen. It should have happened a million years ago. And they've got all these like supposedly like luminaries written on the ground, like the... Uh, Charles Darwin, I think it's the Charles fucking, Darwin. Yeah, it's fucking Charles Darwin, yeah. and you like believed so much in the individual that came up with like an actual like uh, formula for how the rich survive and the weak perish, and it's on a community walk. I just found that so fucking <laughs> ironic, but not to worry. There you go. The one good thing about that walk is that it's public land all the way to the fucking water. They've got a houses, a road, and then public land. Thankfully, I. Personally, if you if I was a town planner, I'd have fifty to hundred meter buffer on any waterway as public land. Shouldn't be fucking privatised for multiple reasons. Usually, they're the best parts to hang out or fish or whatever. And environmentally, they're the easiest ones to fuck. Could, so, could we just could we just speculate on that whole project and who went? Oh, the what? Charles Darwin Trail. Yeah, who was the fucking. Who was the special unit that went, what we should do? Charles Darwin would be really good for a community project. <laughs> the fuck is... <laughs> well, he walked that track, didn't he, in 1830-something rather, and he then went from left what? Tassie... Yeah, for real. Darwin came to fucking Tassie. Tassie. Yeah, he came to Hobart. That was the whole no point way. of the Charles... So he walked that route. It goes awesome. up to... Because I love Darwin. He's awesome. Well, he left there and then discovered the Galapagos, so that's <laughs> the gra- his theory of evolution. <laughs> Darwinism's I'm fine. Allowed, I'm allowed to... No, I, I fucking like Darwin. You start survival of the fittest, that's mate. That's right. Fucking, just fucking get in there, have a go, and if you fucking don't survive, well, fucking you probably weren't trying that's hard it. enough. Just or you weren't doing Lord a job you didn't like, who cares? Fucking just get out there and have a go. All right, where were you, Clarky? <laughs> we're going what were you doing? Um, I was going to oh. film Sully attacking Neil. Okay. You, and then when is, you... it to, is it time? It's time. It's time. What's it time for? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, Clarky. Oh. That's so good. <laughs> That's so bad. It's very fun. It's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Smithy. Thanks, Gola. That's a talent that is so clearly good. being untapped. What's he doing as a sparky? There's, there's a hidden fucking... Oh, oh, Sally. oh Sally. I don't know. Wasted. It's gonna be, it's gonna Wasted. So I noticed editing the last episode, it was horrendous. <laughs> that. The amount of fucking Sully noises that's in the a, last episode. That's what you call a mic drop there, that bruv. Is a, that is a massive... That's, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's yes. a fucking mic drop, all right. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> my drop on Sully. You know, the, it's all over. Sully just shut the uh, fucking shed down. It's so you, good. You're actually fighting gravity there a little bit. Oh, I've noticed that this uh, um, it's so good. hasn't got quite the right girth for the right for this. Oh, we might mic be, holder. Uh, I think someone who's fucking using my mic holder. <laughs> Mix memes, eh? Yes, Mix memes. Mix memes. Oh, oh, hang on. All right. it, it, firing firing through it. Hang on. Here's. Here's a tweet. 
This is recycled from a few weeks ago. You know how your parents used to call every console a Nintendo? Yeah, I fucking I live that life. I get that. That's how conservatives use the word socialist to describe everything to the left of hunting the homeless for sport. Oh, yep. good man. Fucking sharp. Good Spicy. Mean. Spicy, and I like it. I've got one similar. Here we go. What American people think political spectrum is far right, Trump, right, Bush, centre, Bloomberg. Left, Warren. Far left, Sanders. What? What is what it actually is? Far right, Trump, Bush, Bloomberg. <laughs> right, Warren. Yes. Centre, Sanders. Sanders. Yes. Left, yep. far left, anybody here gets killed by the CIA. Oh, well Fuck. done. Fucking well done. Whoa. That's so good. That is a spicy meme. That was good. Uh, here's one. I heard the government is putting chips inside of people. I hope I get Doritos. I like that. I fucking love like Doritos. They're good Aren't chip. they good? Are, They're we fucking, it's a free market doing things right. Yeah. That's what the Doritos are. Your mate Musk. Sorry, oh, do mate. I just cut you off? <laughs> Your turn, Mick. No, you, you haven't. You're not at the turnpike yet. Okay. <laughs> Clarky's mate, Elon Musk. Not good. We'll Not coo- good. I'm going to coo who I want. Someone shared his post. This is some really sharp, razor sharp analysis from Elon Musk. Musk. Marxism will never recover. So Elon Musk tweeted, dust capital in a nutshell. So he's been reading a bit of our uh, good friend Karl Marx. The meme reads, give me dat for free, Karl Marx. And it's like fucking... And that started off a massive... That got Marxism trending on Twitter in Australia for good. about five hours a few days ago. Yeah, it was really good. good. It highlighted that for me, that a lot of people on Twitter actually do understand that Marxism is more uh, economic, economic than it is... Um, yeah, it's more nuanced. So it's more, it's more the criticism of capitalism as opposed to fucking thinking about um, uh, social responses, I suppose, to how things are, it's, are delivered. It's one of the only things that I remember in my life that's historical but it's not conservative. Mm. It's like... A progressive thing that's come from the past because very little, all, all our, uh, a lot of conservative things come from the past. It's Almost everything. Like traditions carry over, whereas mm. when you examine, like in the tiny amount that I have of Marx's work, it fucking holds up. It does. Whereas if yeah. you actually start to examine a lot of the conservative shit that's brought forward, it's fucking bullshit. No. But that's been for two Sky years. Fair is a real shut up. But they made, they Adam, build lots of statues. Adam Smith, good. The conservatives did build lots of statues. <laughs> a few of them are getting torn down lately. Adam, fucking real good. There's a few more on my list, I can tell you. Yeah. So you Mick. might um you might be aware that the Black Lives Matter movement and a, a lot of the social upheaval in the US at the moment um, has got some police departments Twitter accounts chatting some shit like in big time you want yep. to have a look at that it's fucking pretty impressive so this dude's uh, tweeted the job of every police Twitter account is either to lie about a viral video where a necklace cop suplexes a grandmother or to post. <laughs> In brackets, improvised munitions tactically obtained from protest insurgents with a picture of a half-empty bottle of Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty fucking heavy over there at the moment. Their, their creativity with the old cordless leaf blower has been quite... That's innovation. Mm. Yeah. I think Malcolm Turbill would have been that's quite... That's the invisible hand. That's the invisible... It's really equalising the playing field. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> here, we, here we go. There's a pretty traditional... It looks like an upper middle class house in the States and there looks like a sort of confederate or traditional flag, old school American flag hanging over the doorway. There's a church here on Sunday, banner on the front fence, but they've gone one step further and put about a four by four metre banner 
out the second story window and it says, is your mask, in brackets, burka, the training bra for the mark of the beast? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Fucking calm down. (laughs) Your mate um, that you share a bit on Facey, he's a comedian and he's um, playing the role of a southern um, hick, I suppose you could say. What's his name? What kind of thing is his name? Fuck, it's funny. Brent someone? Yeah, it's funny. Every time you put one up, I'll watch it and get a bit of a smile. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good. And, and and he's actually a mad lefty. Yeah, yeah. and heaps yeah. of people, like, <laughs> I've had a few people when I've shared it, like, get on there and go, oh, fucking stupid Trump supporter. Yeah. And, like, no, no. It's sad and eye, I'm, like, sad and eye, I'm like, nah, he's taking the piss. And then they rewatch it and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's so good. Brilliant. Fuck, he's an ama- amazing chat. We'll have to try and get him on the potty. The, Fuck, he's good. I haven't got in. I haven't really got any more memes, but the, um, the latest from the Juice Media I thought was Fucking fantastic. The US one? The US oh, fuck government one. Yeah. Real um, good. The line in one of it was something about worshipping the gold bull and watch the gold god or the bull god, I think it was, and w- that make line go up. <laughs> fucking concept that we live and die by the movements of the market is Fucking such a just, anyway hypocrisy, which was gold. beautifully highlighted. Yeah. Um, fuck the British government who won't give Venezuela their gold back. Yeah, fuck. that's still going on. It's still playing out, eh? Let's let's not conditionally fuck the British government. Let's just fuck them in general. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but so yes, mine, that, I've got a quote by Jason Reed: "People who dismiss the unemployed and dependent as parasites fail to understand economics." And I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correct, correctly. Parasitism. Parasitism. Yeah. A successful parasite is one that is not recognised by its host. One that can make its host work for it without appearing as a burden. Such is the ruling class in a capitalist society. Mm, In all their forms. Yep. Dang. From as simple as a landlord right through to the owner of a factory. Yeah. It's pretty severe. That, um, if you're talking truth bombs, this was the, the one where I got the mining quote off Twitter this morning. It was put up around about the time Insiders was on. So when you have private aged care providers listed private aged care providers listed on the stock exchange, our elderly are mined for shareholder growth. We need to get away from the thinking it's acceptable for people to be fed on six dollars a day to increase returns for profit. These are our most vulnerable citizens. So, yes, it's fucking more of that, please. Yes, and not just that, not just that. A lot of a lot of things, and I'm not I'm trying to downplay the suffering of the elderly, but just a lot of fucking other mm. essential services. Oh, let's, mate, the, let's go. Yep, let's do fucking it, eh? the way we treat our elderly in this country is a national fucking disgrace. But anyway, mm. um, so Twitter provides us with a bit of gold. So, so much gold. Korean staff scarf. <laughs> Korean Scarf is the Twitter handle, and they sure. posted, Worked my ass off at Amazon with a hot and sweaty mask, risking my life while unemployment got 600 sitting on their ass. Make it make sense. And then old mate's gone, William J. Jackson. Hello. You're <laughs> being exploited by a capitalist pig. Those on unemployment aren't responsible for the labour conditions of which the richest pig on the planet decided you deserved. Don't fall for boot-licking propaganda pitting you against class comrades. Ah, fucking well so done, William. That's so fucking good. good I, that's, I, I, I've, you've been a bit of a pest on Twitter lately, Clarky. That's outrageous. I, 
it's I, I sense an aspiration that it's a real it's, thing, right? it is a fucking real thing. <laughs> the Twitter, the best thing about Twitter is the pylons. Really, is the person who leads with the chin puts up the statement and the comments that come after it. Like that one of Elon Musk. The replies to that were just absolutely fantastic. But I've noticed uh, one Chris Clark has been dominating that space quite regularly. The Have I? And occasionally you tag me in. It's oh, like yes. I believe a mate of mine. Uh, an old mate, what's your line? A mate of mine and you tag me. Just <laughs> has an opinion on this. Asking for a mate. <laughs> asking for a mate, that's right. <laughs> yes. No, nah, it, it is fun. And the the thing about the coup um, where someone got stuck in a mask about lithium and yes. um, how, was it Bolivia? Bolivia, yeah. I think it was Bolivia. We will coup who we want. Yeah, yeah. so being a smart-ass cunt. Um, Musk is like, oh, we'll coup who we want. Oh, how funny was I? I made a funny statement. Fucking and the Lee, truth behind Lee, that. Yeah. Lee Camp fucking read, um, tweeted um, or commented and said something like, you fucking asshole cunt. Um, this is fucking serious. Yeah. Like, the capitalist pigs in uh, America have been cooing all over the joint for these exact reasons so we can exploit countries and mm. fuck them over and steal their resources. And you think that's an appropriate thing to fucking joke about when you're going to be a beneficiary? We we do what we want. Yeah, sorry. And like to not defending Musk, but he was like, "Oh, it was a joke. We get our lithium from fucking Australia." But it's like, can't you're part of the fucking problem? Mm. Like you're so much part of the problem. And one of the things, um, well, that statement is a true statement. I meant to be doing mixed memes, but I'm going to go off on a little bit of tangent. I know it's Clarky's memes. I think a little bit. A little bit of a tangent why Mick feeds the heater because it's about minus 50 hundred in Tassie at the moment. Um, is, and I fucking lost me train of thought. What was I talking about? The Lee Camp response to him being part of the problem. Yeah, there, whether he, he gets his lithium from a, Australia. I had a pretty cool point I was going to make and I've totally forgotten it. We can coo who we want. Yeah, no, it's gone. <sighs> it's such a true statement. I'm, it's Dan, the fact, it's gone. The fact he was joking. Yeah, Mick fucking ruined that train of thought for you. I think he's just. It's fucking, going to be a really good point yeah, too. I felt yeah. the chemistry. I know. I could now feel that it you too. feel the chemistry of like, fuck, I'm going to know. This and he's is going to be good. He's just going this about his business some, over there. Yeah, it's going to be some podcast gold off the cuff. Yep. And then it just disappears. Yeah. I, I think like, when we listen back, it's to almost it, it's probably like when you're on acid and you figure out the universe, <laughs> oh, and then all of a sudden you can't figure out how you figured out the universe, and it's gone. You've been listening to too much like Joe Rogan. Been too listening to too much Chris Clark. But I suppose in mixed mean when I'm out there getting beers and fucking collecting wood. Um, I'm sorry to knock you off your fucking thing, mate. <laughs> oh, back hey. at ya. Got any, got, got any memes for us, me? Oh, hang on. How about I, I'll just Short start... segment. You got any memes or what? Start up the, start up the generator and... Oh, anything to eat? Is there anything else you need? <laughs> hey? Fucking hell. Uh, so the rise of the right is a big problem. We've, we're seeing um, a lot of allowance under current political system for the right to get stretched further to the right, so you're getting some pretty extreme views. And this is a pretty brutal, um, but uh, a tangle on Twitter, and you've got someone trying to fucking defend the Nazi legacy of all fucking things, oh, which is the reason I said the, the rise of the right is that people will stand up and try and defend that legacy. Um, and it says... it's continuing on from something about that but you literally just judged all nazis as assholes my grandfather my grandmother their families and their friends were involved in the party they're also some of the kindest most wonderful people i've met 
yet you've already judged them based on a group generalisation. Whoa. And the only thing that this um, next punter could come up with, which is the biggest shutdown potentially of all time, is I'd love to introduce them to my great-grandparents, but they were gassed in a concentration camp, but oh. I'm sure they are great. So don't fucking tolerate extreme right politics and um, defence of murderous fucking dictatorial regimes. It's just not fucking cool. There's no spot for it. There was... Um very a, well said. A mm. good book that Mick Lynch put me on to that I'm about to look up in my library. Before you do that. <laughs> no, no, I'm doing it. It's, it called, it's by um, AC Grayling and it's The Meaning of Things. <laughs> and he talks about, in that book, Joey Dance. about tolerance and how you can't tolerate the intolerable, if that's such a... I think I think I've said that correctly, and that's exactly the point that you've just made. Like, you've got to be tolerant, but there's things where there's a line, and it's just no. Australia doesn't know about it though. Like, we don't. We've not got a history of dealing with this thing. Whereas in some of our comrades in the UK, there are still anti-fascist movements that still know what that tradition's about. Like, they marched against them and bashed them up and fucking disrupted their protests. There are still soccer clubs that have traditions about anti-fascism now and they still yep. are chanting at current games about sledging current politicians and other rival clubs about fascism and all that. It's fucking magnificent, mm. but that's remembering your history, whereas we don't have that to draw on here. We were sold a lie. As far as I'm aware, it's all just patriotism and Australia was going to fight for the the crown and that was fucking it. There was nothing else. Oh, and at the peak of working class living standards, like as a result of hard fought union wins for fucking forever, um, in the 70s when it really peaked, like, you know, workers' uh, compensation as a percentage of GDP was one of the highest and it's been in decline ever since. This line that Australia was an egalitarian country, which, you know, essentially we're all equal, was such fucking bullshit. Mm. But people were doing well, they had disposable income, and you believe the lie and they lose connection with any sense of, of struggle or need to fight for what they've got because it was fucking almost becoming a little bit too easy is my loose, very broad analysis of, of that period of time. Well, imagine here for a second, imagine current Australian living standards without three names, Whitlam, Hawke, Keating. Oh, without that, without that legacy, this country would be not probably as bad as where the US is in this pandemic at the moment. Fuck, I reckon but we'd it, be behind without those three people. It would buck. Yeah, yeah. And, and the amount that's actually been wound back, you know, when you think of things like just allowing private interests in health and aged care, which we're learning is probably not a fucking great idea, Imagine obviously. Imagine if we never had Medicare. Medicare, or they may, uh, Howard managed to fuck off ATSIC, which was which is they're slowly starting to come back to the realisation that Indigenous people need some level of self-determination and uh, a legend in that space at the moment, his commentary has just been fucking amazing, Thomas Mayer. Mm. He just keeps, seems to be getting better and better with age. He's a fucking pretty focused fucking individual on what he's doing and he's throwing his full weight at it and I'll fucking give him a massive shout-out for his efforts in that space. Um, but the attempts to wind back all those good things that were, to your point, you know, introduced by Gough Whitlam in a very short amount of time. Like, he fucking... The whole process got off the rails a little bit towards the end and all the rest of it. But some of the stuff that he managed to get through... Before or after the the coup? Against all the odds. uh, Before... When he got toppled, you mean? Before. (laughs) When he was still Prime Minister. Um, 
but yeah, what came next was was awesome as well under under Hawk. Not everything. You got to um, cherry pick the wins along the way. I think when you can, there were some certain things oh, for sure. um, that were yeah. were done with good intention that didn't actually work out too well. You know the um, the accord and, and all the rest, but yep. probably not a bad idea at the time they thought. But with the with the benefit of hindsight, it fucking was pretty terrible. Yep. thing. Yeah, sure. yeah. My my point was: imagine if you had non. Uh, they're held up to be pretty legendary leaders of the ALP, um, for better or worse. So imagine if you didn't have that charisma and that electability in um, by Australian voters, and they were rolled first term each one of them. Yep. And you didn't get super, you didn't get Medicare, you mm. didn't get all the shit that Whitlam did. Fuck! Imagine the the speed that the Tories would have rolled that back. Imagine we'd be fucking like America. We'd be to the right of the fucking UK and up in American yep. territory now to be atrocious. Yeah. Mm. Well, that was one of Thatcher's legacies that I'd sort of loosely. But they've still got zero hour contracts over there. We talk about insecure employment here in Australia, but zero hour contracts. It would have to be one of the most exploitative, apart from peace work. Slavery. It's a form of slavery. It is a form of slavery. Yep, exactly. Um, well, is we were going to go for an hour. We're about an hour and a half in. Any more memes, Mick? Any more memes. Come, he can't cut off any, his own segment. Any more memes? <laughs> that, that he begrudgingly hangs on to. <laughs> any more memes? Any more memes, Mick? Come on. Any more memes? Got something spicy for the dear listener? No. Oh, Damn, not even, it's gone. Not even spicy not like that, a breakfast burrito. I, a ch- I just haven't had a chance in my own segment. It's been fucking disgraceful. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wind things up. Yeah. All yep. right. Closing comments. Wait, um, two more. Hang on. Hang on. Two more. It's your fucking fault it's gone for an hour and a half, Chris. Bit of late mail, Chris. Bit of late mail. Go, Mick. I only had three topics. How are we a hour and a half deep? Come on. One key purpose of a billionaire-owned press is to ensure we get a civil war instead of a revolution. Very I, insightful, and I agree. I f- yeah. super wholeheartedly agree with that. And the last one, I'll lead, leave you with it, is atheism is what happens when you read the Bible. Christianity is what happens when someone else reads it for you. Ooh, Ooh that's fucking tasty. You I like go. that. I like Boom. it. Do we outro with mixed memes? No, no. <laughs> have, have we got Have no. we got it? Oh, we have too. So, oh, life closing comments. As much as I would like to outro with breakfast burrito, uh, there's something that I want to play for the listener instead. It's called "Ex Slaves Talk About Slavery in the U.S." It was a tweet that Peter Joseph put up, um, and it's f- interviews that were done, I think, in the late or early 30s, late 40s, in 19 sorry, uh, 1940, 1930. Um, from ex-American slaves. So some of them were like 90 or 100 years old who actually experienced being a slave. Mm. Um, fucking turns your guts, man. Like, it's pretty intense. That was about the only one thing that Obama did good was he opened a museum which focused on a lot of uh, recorded history. Fuck of that. Obama. Yep. Yeah, I know. Yep. Fuck Obama. Yeah, yeah. Actually, and I read a really good article yeah, by Cornell West Obama. about Obama's legacy. God, but anyway, Obama. yeah. But anyway. Yep. yep. Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'd like to play that. As a parting gift Awesome To the listener um, So I'm Going to wind this up And uh, Say once again If you've gotten this far Thank you very much For listening to our potty We really appreciate it We'd do it anyway Because we fucking love here Sitting in the shed And talking shit Hanging out with mates Being creative It's just a fucking privilege To be honest Join your union Go on strike Flip cars Stay safe COVID's not a hoax Think of your community, do the right thing, 
and uh, let's get through this fucking together. And over to you, Neil. Awesome. Yeah, everything that you just said then, this is fucking quite a privilege and it's yeah it's awesome i'd love i love just chatting about this shit anyway but to put it on record <laughs> and put it out there and, and it turns out a few other people like discussing in this space as well it's it's fucking it's fantastic um but for my uh, closing comments tomorrow uh august the 2nd is the what would it be 103rd anniversary for the 1917 train strike in uh new south wales one of the most significant industrial disputes in this country it would pay to chuck that into google you get some amazing resources that pop out a few uh blogs some uh historical records of the strike but to put it in context of today's numbers it would be like over a million people all walking out the gate at once across New South Wales and um, and Victoria so the fact that it also happened during the middle of a war was um was quite significant and I've talked about it on previous episodes before but it's an amazing anniversary tomorrow. stop talking my penis can get unsell wrecked <laughs> imagining a million people walking off the job very fucking, fucking good times so yep. fucking good don't transpose that over change the rules you'll get sad <laughs> <laughs> all yours Mick go Michael just, just a quick one um all good points, lads. Thank you very much, as always. But just a note, never stop trying to exercise your democracy with what you do, whether it be at the workplace, electing a delegate or an HSR, or uh, in your local community. There's always, like, there's millions of council by-elections, there's local government elections, and there's federal and state things going on all the time. Do not fucking miss it, and always exercise your right to have a vote and talk to someone else about fucking um, voting the right way because it is fucking powerful. I know it's not the only tool in town, but we have to start organising along class lines, otherwise we're fucked. So please have those discussions about why voting matters at your workplace or wherever you are and um, let's get this show on the road. Good. Fucking couldn't agree more. Question the status quo at every fucking opportunity you get. And until next time, comrades, stay safe and enjoy this for your listening pleasure. But John Henry Falk may have experienced the most profound effect. He was a graduate student when he interviewed the former slaves, including the two women you hear in this broadcast. Himself interviewed just before he died in 1979, Falk was going on about how he believed in giving blacks the right to go to school, giving them the right to vote, giving them the right to go into anything they qualified for. And then he said, he experienced an epiphany. Yeah, sitting out on a wagon tongue with this old black man and was telling him what a different kind of white man I was. I remember him looking at me very sadly and kind of sweetly and condescending and said, you know, you still got the disease, honey. I know you think you're cured, but you're not cured. You can't give me the right to be a human being. I'm born with that right. Now you can keep me from having that. If you've got all the policemen and all the jobs on your side, you can deprive me of it. But you can't give it to me. Because I was born with it just like you was. And my God, it had a profound effect on me. I was furious with him. But the more I reflected on it, the more profoundly it affected me.
And I realized this was where it really was. Tell you the truth, when I think of it today, I don't know how I'm living. I remember that just as well. Look like to me, I can't. Been slaves all our lives. My mother was a slave. Sisters were slaves. Father was a slave. They know nothing about reading right now. All that I know, they teach you to mind your master and your missus. Mom and them didn't know where to go. You see, after she was gone, just turned, just like he turned to mouth, you know. Didn't know where to go. They are haunting voices from the past. Not actors reading a script or scholars reading a text, but the actual voices of men and women, Americans, who were born in slavery. My name is Fountain Hughes. I was born in Charlottesville, Virginia. My grandfather belonged to Thomas Jefferson. My grandfather was 115 years old when he died. And now I am 101-year-old. Some people didn't have no beds when they were slaves. You want to slip on the floor. Out of here, out of there. Just like a lot of uh, wild people, we didn't, we didn't know nothing. Didn't allow you to look at no book. Harriet Smith, remembering what she saw as a small girl during the final days of the Civil War. We said, oh, I stood on that picket fence all day long seeing them soldiers going back to silent home in different places. Colored soldiers, colored soldiers in Joe. Right, right along by our house, our home is a two-story house. The white These recorded memories were among thousands of interviews done with ex-slaves in the 1930s and 40s. Can you remember slavery days very well? Of course, I remember all our white folks. And all the names of them, all the children, called every one of the children's names. Who, who did you belong to? Jim Button, the baby boy. The results of these digitally enhanced recordings are arresting, almost unbelievable. The idea of hearing the voices of actual slaves from the plantations of the Old South is as powerful, as startling really, as if you could hear Abraham Lincoln or Robert E. Lee speak. Listen again to Fountain Hughes, who was born in 1848. We were slaves. We belonged to people. They sell us like they sell horses and cows and hogs and all like that. Have an auction bench and they put you on, up on the bench and bid on you the same as you're bidding on cattle, you know. Much of what these three former slaves say may at first seem unremarkable. Much of what they say may surprise and upset, and their calm demeanor is at odds with the evil and violence we associate with slavery. Here is 91-year-old Texan Laura Smalley talking in the 1940s about the outcome of a tussle between two women, one black, one white, one slave, one mistress. The mistress tried to slap the slave, but the black woman pushed her into a chair. Laura Smalley was a girl at the time, but she remembers vividly what happened to the black woman when the master came home. Well, they think that old woman, poor old woman, cat in the peach orchard and whipped her. And, you know, just tied her hand this way, you know, around the peach orchard tree. I remember that just as well. Looked like to me, I can't. And around the tree and whipped her. And well, she couldn't do them, but just kick her feet, you know, just kick her feet. But it, it just had a 
clothes all down to a waist, you know. They didn't have a plum naked, but they had a clothes down to a waist. And every now and then they'd whoop her, you know, and then snuff the pipe out on her, you know. Snuff the pipe out on her. You know, the embers in the pipe, don't you'll see the pipe smoking. Blow them out on her? Mm-hmm. The plantation on which Smalley was a slave sounds brutal. She recalls scrambling with other children for food from a huge wooden tray, like a hog trough. All of them, you know, would get around that tray with spoons and eat, sit you like mush or soup or something like that. And all them children get around there and just eat, 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 eat. Fountain Hughes tells his interviewer about the relentless round of work for him on a Virginia plantation. Night never comes out. You had nothing to do. Time to cut tobacco. If they want you to cut all night long out in the field, you cut. And if they want you to hang all night long, you hang, hang tobacco. It didn't matter about your tired being tired, you're afraid to say you're tired. It was cotton, not tobacco, that solidified slavery, though. The invention of the cotton gin at the end of the 18th century made its processing easy, but the crop still needed enormous amounts of unskilled labor. Control of the slave and his labor through laws and regulations became paramount. Fountain Hughes talks about one of those controls, the pass system. Now I couldn't go from here across the street or I couldn't go from nobody's house without I have a note or something from my master. And if I had that pass, I don't want to call a pass. If I had that pass, I could go wherever he sent me and I'd have to be back. And if, you know, whoever he sent me to, they, they'd give me another pass. Not bring that back, so it's a show how long. Even emancipation didn't truly free the slaves. Freedom freed slaves for more travail. The end of the Civil War found many cast adrift without skills and no place to go. And the Yankees who freed them weren't always seen as benevolent liberators. I remember when the Yankees came along and took all the good horses and took all the sort of all the meat and flour and sugar and stuff out in the river and let it go down the river. And they know the people wouldn't have nothing to live on, but they done that. The ex-slaves left one hell for another, perhaps an even more dangerous one. No longer property, they didn't have the protections afforded property. When we were slaves, we couldn't do that, see? And if we got free, we didn't know nothing to do. And my mother, she then she hunted places and bound us out for a dollar a month. But we didn't have no property, we didn't have no home. We had nowhere, nothing. We didn't have nothing on it, just to light your cattle, just turned out and uh, get along the best you could. In Texas, the slaves weren't told they were free until two months after the war ended. Smalley remembers that her masters gave the slaves a dinner and then they were free. I don't know how the other side of the folks you know freedom. We didn't know. They just thought, you know, we're just feeding us, you know. Some of them didn't know where to go. You see, after freedom broke, just turned just like he turned something out, you know. Didn't know where to go. But just where to stay. Mm -hmm. Didn't know where to go. 
turn us out just like, you know, you turn out cattle. <laughs> In the narratives, the slaves used an interesting phrase for the end of slavery. They say, when the break came. Good times, easy times, were not at hand. The trials for millions of black Americans didn't end in 1865. They continued. Laura Smalley and her family became sharecroppers. Harriet Smith's first husband was killed by whites during the Reconstruction, probably because of his political organizing. Fountain Hughes went north to Baltimore and worked at numerous jobs, including hauling manure. Not an enviable job, but it was the job of a free man.